Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 310th edition, kicking off the ninth season of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins. Today, uh, no coach. He is off at camp, as most coaches are. This time of year, he's up at Austin P with the Governors. Nonetheless, we are here with uh, Josh Cook up there in the Windy City. Josh, uh, great to see you, buddy. Ooh, it's good to be back starting another season. Uh, for those of you who are choosing to watch the podcast, I will apologize for my uh, disgusting appearance. It is absurdly humid here, and I just got back walking the dog. And uh, you know what? I, I'm sweating as much as the Pac-12 commissioner is right now. Oh, I was going to say you're glistening, Josh. You're glistening. <laughs> so um, we uh, are starting off our conference previews here uh, today with uh, the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Uh, we're going to do doing things a little bit differently here this year for our conference previews. Uh, Coach and I have decided to let Josh take the wheel uh, and see where that takes us. So, um, you know, fingers crossed uh, and pray for us if you are someone who prays. And uh, we'll see if we can land that boat before we get into it though got to remind you guys that we are still presented by betonline.ag where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs you name it they've got it over there at bet online use your mobile device head on over to the website sign up today get a 50 percent welcome bonus using our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v on your first deposit bet online where the game starts also shout out to mikefarrellsports.com where you can be watching this as well uh josh let's just get right into it uh it's pac 12 time we're starting our conference previews off going west to east and uh you know everyone everyone else does east to west (laughs) let's go west to east why not we'll start in the pac 12 and i'm gonna cede the floor to you and let you uh take the wheel yeah oh my my co-hosts are just some lazy sacks of potatoes right now. I, I have to do everything. Uh, for those of you that don't remember anything about last football season, the Pac-12 had no national title contender outside of USC peaking at number four. But uh, based on their defense, even if they had made the playoffs, I don't think they were beating Michigan, Georgia, or Ohio State. So no true contender. But USC did go eight and one last year, and they made the title game. Uh, behind them were three seven and two teams. The Utes, UW, and Oregon. Uh, there were a pair of six of three teams who contended uh, for stretches of the season in Oregon State and Matt, your Bruins, UCLA. Yep. Uh, so that added a lot of other intrigue. Utah, though, thanks to a whole litany of tiebreakers, basically their strength of schedule, uh, they earned the right to, to play the title game. And Matt, you remember the outcome of that game, right? Uh, yeah, I do. It was uh, shellacking. They, uh, they, they uh, showed uh, USC who's boss. And show them who uh, what an actual defense looks like and what an actual run game looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was also a season sweep for the Utes. They had uh, beaten the Trojans a couple weeks earlier. So um, in all, the Pac-12 produced seven teams last year that made a bowl game. Six of them ended the year ranked. Um, but as everyone knows, I'm a Big Ten guy. So taking, uh, taking from my conference, basketball. Big Ten basketball, very deep, tons of solid teams, but no real contender. Same thing for the Pac-12 football. It makes for a fun regular season, but uh, fairly anticlimactic there in the title game. So um, these are five intriguing questions I have. These might not be yours. These might not be all our listeners. But, Matt, these are the things that are jumping out to me. So feel free to chime in on any of them if you want. But my – oh, there goes the Purdue train. Boilermaker Express coming by. Yeah. Yeah. So, tricky question number one. This is obviously USC's last year in the Pac-12. And he's still they, Yeah, well, true. But only one of them has true playoff aspirations. So can USC finally hit that next rung? Second mm, we'll question. Talk about that. Yeah, second question. Oregon and Washington, a lot of recent success. Can either of them reclaim the crown? I'm a lot more bullish on one than the other, and I'll let you know when we get there. Oh. Uh, Number three, the Utes, we love them. Can they stay at such a high level 
despite there being a talent gap, just the way recruiting stuff works. And also, I mean, they, they should have a pretty big target on their back. They've won back-to-back Pac-12 title games. Uh, so they're going for the third in a row. So can they can they keep that high level up? For my money, the best coach in the conference. So if you're someone who appreciates coaching and, and puts stock in coaching, I mean, you, you can't bet against Kyle Whittingham. No, you cannot. Uh, fourth question, will there be a surprise title game appearance from one of those kind of tier two teams last year? Someone like Oregon State or UCLA, one of those teams that was kind of sniffing around. And finally... I mean, we we can't avoid the obvious, which is Colorado, Coach Prime. What the heck will that transfer portal team look like? Fifty in year one transfers, fifty one transfers, and I think what twenty three fresh. I think it's like eighty four new players on the team this year. That's that's something. I, I have thoughts on Colorado that we'll get to when we get to Colorado. Yeah. All right, so we're just gonna go top to bottom. These. As Matt said at the top, these are my personal standings. This is uh, doing something a little bit different. Matt, he got promoted. Shout out to Matt. Super busy. Coaches camp. He's at Austin P. He's not even in Nashville right now. Yep, he's in Clarksville. So to work with this. So these are just me. We'll see how it goes. Let's do it. All right. So number one, I got the Trojans. Uh, they've got possibly the best recruiting class. I know them in Oregon. Kind of depends on which you're looking at. Then they add that with a really stacked lineup coming back, including the obvious Heisman Trophy champion, the defending champ, Caleb Williams. Um, really no reason to expect USC not to have a strong campaign. Uh, the corners are the concerns, excuse me, are all defensive. <laughs> and uh, and those were exposed kind of often <laughs> during last year's late collapse in the title game to Utah or the bowl game to Tulane. So Perka, with that in mind, why is defensive coordinator Alex Grinch still employed? He has incriminating photos of Lincoln Riley. (laughs) That is literally the only way I can imagine. (laughs) I don't think he's had a top 80 defense under in what, four or five seasons with Riley. And I think he's entering his fifth season as Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinator. I think Alex Grinch had like one really good year at Washington state with Mike Leach and he's been and he's been riding the coattails of that for more than a half decade at this point. Cause I, I don't understand Alex Grinch's defenses are incapable of making adjustments. And that's why you saw them blow the lead against Tulane. That's why you saw them struggle with Utah. I mean, it is, it's amazing to me how little, professional developmental growth Grinch (laughs) has done like Josh you're a teacher coach is a teacher I used to work Mm -hmm. in academia um professional development is mandatory except when you're one earlier today coordinator because (laughs) he I I, he's either regressing or I don't know I I, I'm not entirely sure I well I'm not entirely sure why he's a job I don't know if you are the brass at USC in your forking over all this money to Lincoln Riley and you've got all this hullabaloo around the program. Yes. One of my favorite words, hullabaloo. (laughs) Um, Also great 1960s variety show. Um, And you're letting Alex Grinch, who seems an adequate recruiter and a less than defensive coordinator. Do you need an adequate recruiter when you're USC and Lincoln Riley? Well, so see, (laughs) you took the words right out of my mouth, Josh. Do you like, what is he bringing to the table? And the answer is, I really don't know at this point. I really don't know. The offense, they're going to be great again. Of course, they're going to be great on offense. But the defense has, I, I don't know, they haven't, they still have as many question marks to me as they did last year. And last year's was no great shakes. Well, we will, uh, we'll probably circle back to USC when we tie a bow on this conference. But let's move to who I have second contending with USC facing off against them in the title game. And uh, some people are going to be a little surprised. I got Oregon state. Let me repeat that Oregon state, not Oregon, the team in Corvallis, the Beavers. And hear me out. I got a couple of reasons for this. Number one, 
they get to have the privilege of avoiding USC in the regular season. So right away, avoiding the big test. Three of their four toughest games are Utah, UCLA, and Washington. Those are all in Corvallis. Tough place to play. They have an outstanding offensive line, probably the best in the league. And their quarterback, they're welcoming in Big Cinco from Clemson. And obviously he was hit or miss with the Tigers, but he's a big improvement for that position for the Beavers, who won 10 games last year with almost zero passing game. Their defense is admittedly going to be pretty new, uh, but unlike Alex Grinch, Trent Bray was a great defensive coordinator last year. I don't think their defense will like fall off a crazy cliff. So, Matt, I'm basing a lot of this pick on those big uglies up front. Am I showing too much love to offensive line strength? I don't think you are. I think there are two things that go along with that, however. Offensive line play in the Pac-12 has never been necessarily like a harbinger of being like the best team with the best <laughs> offensive line means that you are going to be the best program. Like in the Big Ten and the SEC, offensive line play really, really, really matters. It matters. It matters in every game of football, but I'm not sure it matters as much. B, for me, Oregon State is the team with the highest variance of any Roth of any team in this conference. You could tell me that they finished second, finished first. I'd be like, yeah, I can see that. You could also tell me like they finished ninth. And I'd be like, yeah, I can see that <laughs> because, you know, big Cinco playing with the weapons that he had at, at Clemson, or as some people say, Clemson with a P in there with, <laughs> you know, struggled at times. Now what's he going to do with, I don't want to say second rate because these guys are like second rate, but you no, know, not four and five star targets to throw to. I think a lot of the issues he faced at Clemson were schematic and he was so deep inside of his own head by the second half of last season that a fresh start was completely warranted. It's completely warranted. So I have, you know, I have no issues there. I don't have them finishing second, but I do have them finishing in the top four. All right. Well, this next team, my third place team, they are the more popular pick. Are they your pick, Matt Washington? They are my pick to be not Ooh. number two, but oh. number one. Oh, hey, oh, all right. Well, uh, for those of you wondering about UW, they have an outstanding offense. They have quarterback Michael Penix back. They have a bunch of killer receivers, uh, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan. Um, their past defense last year uh, was terrible. <laughs> um, so will that be improved enough? Um, and then also, unlike Oregon State, they have three brand new starters on that offensive line. So um, Penix enjoyed amazing protection last year. He was sacked just five times. Yeah, incredible um, they have, there. Yeah, they have an incredible defensive player back, though, in Braylon Trice. Um, he is he's nasty. Yeah. So but you, you got the number one. Tell us. Tell me about I have the number one on the back of Penix the second year under Kalen DeBoer who I think, you know, after Whittingham, I think DeBoer might be the best coach. If When, when you take everything into account, he can do more, more with less. He wins. Kalen DeBoer just wins. Just, and what matters, He, I mean, he won at freaking, what was it, Sioux Falls in South Dakota, NAIA. He lost like two games in four years there. He goes, you know, he's an amazing offensive coordinator, Indiana, goes to Fresno State. He wins, goes up to Washington. He wins. That offense is, I, I would not be surprised if they're putting up 42, 43 points a game. Ooh. I think that they are going to lead the country, at least the power five in offense this year. And I think that they will get up early enough to let Braylon Trice just get out there and tee off and get after passer, get after quarterbacks like he does best. I I've got them going eleven and one this year. All righty, I like it. Um, fourth place, I got a team that we love, Utah. Of course, you and I both love Utah. Always, always. They should be in the. Utah. They should be in the Big Ten. They're they really secretly a Big Ten team. Um, so Utah, Oregon, they were tough tough teams to kind of split. Uh, the reason I'm taking the Utes over Oregon is their defensive bona fides are just superior uh, to Oregon. Um, Utah also has that reliable ground a pound game. Uh, 
but obviously Cam Rising, he tore his ACL in that Rose Bowl last year, while Oregon, of course, has a healthy Bo Nix. Um, Utah's schedule is, is hellish. Uh, they have a really nasty non-conference slate. They also have a road trip to Seattle, a road trip down to Los Angeles for the Coliseum, um, and then obviously where title dreams go to die, which is Corvallis. So, um, Matt, which is scarier to look at if you are a diehard used fan? Rising's health or that schedule? The schedule. I'm not as worried about Rising's health because they they have a run game. Utah always has a run game, and it's the offense is not entirely incumbent on Rising to be Penix or Caleb Williams in order to click. They can hand the ball off 35 times a game and be just fine and play Big Ten football if they want to. For me, it's the schedule that, like you, you mentioned, Josh, it is brutal. That that game in Seattle um, is is going to be a really tough one. They're at the Coliseum, and like you said, like in Corvallis, all of these places. If they can go one and two, is isn't bad in there. If they if they manage to go two and one, that's really good. I you know I you can never ever ever count Utah out. Like I said earlier, Kyle Whittingham is the best coach in the back twelve. And and for me, it's a clear delineation between Whittingham and everybody else. And because of that, like, I'm not as worried about rising. I am just more worried about that schedule. Fair enough. All right. Fifth place, the Ducks. Um, So let's start with the positives. They've got seven starters back on defense. Uh, They've got great skill possession core. Uh, But you know what? USC has a nice skill possession core. Washington has that. Utah has that. What worries me about Oregon, four new starters on that offensive line, which pretty much leads all the contenders. Um, They also have a road trip to Seattle, a road trip to Salt Lake City, and then they host USC. So uh, I kind of know why I have Oregon as the the odd man out this year. I just sort of listed why. Matt, I'm curious uh, why you feel the same. I feel the same way because they lost Kenny Dillingham. And he's an offensive mastermind. And I don't think that I don't see Bo Nix having that same season that he did again last year, like he did last year. Add that to the problems on the offensive line. Eight and four. Could be. I mean, I mean, seven and five wouldn't shock me. Eight and four. Like I, I see them as a little bit, you know, you have them fifth. I fifth, six feels about right for the ducks. Yeah. They have super high end. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, we talked about big Cinco, his little brother, Mateo, Uyangalole, true freshman going to be a heck of an edge rusher, but I don't know how much he's going to be able to contribute as a freshman. They've got a really I, good defensive lineman and Brandon Dorless up there. Who's one I of the best he... in the country. But like on, on besides that, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I worry about, no Dillingham and I worry about some of the other, you know, little things just around the edges. I heard that big Cinco's brother tried to petition the NCAA to wear number 2.5, but they didn't like it. Hey-o. I, All right. I want someone to wear double zeros. I want someone to wear double zeros. I want like old Robert, old school Robert Parrish. <laughs> Love that. Uh, number six, um, pretty much smack dab in the middle because there's 12 teams in the pack 12. Uh, I do not have them as a contender. It's the Bruins for me. I got UCLA sixth, Matt, this is one of your teams. I'll let you have the floor. Tell us all about the Bruins. This is one of my teams. Uh, Josh, if Oregon state has the most variance in my mind, UCLA is right behind them at number two. They have a ton of transfers. They are counting on to contribute. Uh, we're not exactly sure who's going to end up taking first team snaps. It's a three man competition with Ethan Garbers, who played mop up duty last year. You know, played when DTR would get injured occasionally, but had some amazing throws, had some really bad interceptions. Um, uh, Kent State transfer Colin Schley is the guy I would imagine ends up taking. Uh, you know, is the opening day starter, but true freshman Dante Moore, five star quarterback and you know he was the number one quarterback in high school according to some recruiting services comes to ucla flips from oregon to ucla right at the end of the recruiting process huge upside there huge upside with more 
They're counting on, you know, they lost Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet was one of the best running backs, not just in the conference, but in the country over the last two years. They brought in another Mac transfer, Carson Steele. Uh, Carson Steele has the name of a porn star and the look of a porn star. Um, if you've seen, he's got these long flowing blonde locks that come out behind him when he uh, is running. It's quite a sight to behold. Uh, he's a bully. Uh, you know, when he was playing uh, for, I believe, uh, yeah, he is a bully from ball state and, you know, he, he had, he looked really good at all Mac player, but again, step up to the competition in the pack 12 also on offense. I mean, two new starting receivers, J. Michael Sturdivant, not a lawyer, actually a wide receiver, <laughs> Kyle Ford coming over from USC, new starting tight end, Moliki Matavayo um, coming down from Oregon. We're looking at a new starting left tackle uh, coming in from Old Dominion. On the defensive side of the ball, I love the front seven. Like, I absolutely love their front seven. And I think the front seven is going to be why they can contend. You look at the Murphy twins. You look at one of my favorite pass rushers in the entire Pac-12, Laiti Latu. Um, um, Laitu Latu. I'm going to pronounce that name at, correctly at some point. He had 10 and a half sacks last season. I could see him getting even more super deep linebacking core. Back end of the defense is where I would worry. You know, so for the Bruins, like how quickly can Chip Kelly get all of these new pieces on the same page? Because we know that like, yeah, Chip's system can be super effective, but it's not the easiest one to learn. It's really not. It's not a, you know, plug and play system like you see a, a lot of these spreads. It's there's a lot more verbiage. There is a lot more, uh, you know, motions or stuff you have to get up to speed on. And that can be tough for transfers. We've seen guys come in and do it. I don't know. Six feels right. The homer in me wants to say they'll finish top four, but I feel like sixth feels about right for the Bruins this fall. But again, huge huge variance for this team all right so as we get to the back end we'll we'll speed things up a little bit going to group the two next teams uh arizona seven washington state eight uh i really 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 liked what wazoo did last year but i'm flipping these two clubs uh due to the returning personnel um obviously arizona receiver jacob singer transferred in conference over to usc uh but they still boast a thousand yard receiver and jacob cowing and uh, Tetario Mc, uh, McMillan had like 700 yards last year as a breakout freshman. So receiving core should still be pretty good. Quarterback Jaden Delara, um, just a solid quarterback here yeah. at the college ranks, you know, uh, did well. Feels like he's been around forever, too. Like, yeah. I feel like it's his third Those year starting you, at Arizona. Yeah. He started for a couple of years up at Washington State. I mean, yeah. like. You know, yeah. he, he feels like he's been around at least since the Obama administration, if not the Bush <laughs> administration. <laughs> um, the the Arizona defense last year was awful. Um, so really can only get better from there. Um, they get the portal pretty hard to try and boost up that side of the ball. And for Washington State, who I've got eight, they got Cameron Ward, their quarterback. He's back. And unfortunately, uh, not much else. The top four receivers from last season uh hit the portal. Um, but they did have the PAC 12's best defense last year. I don't know if people remembered that. Uh, and they have some pretty key players back from that, including both of their edge rushers, Brennan Jackson and Ron stone jr. This combo added up uh, a combined 22 and a half sacks last year and 42 and a half tackles for loss. Um, so Matt, we got the cats, we got the Cougars, we got felines all over the field. Uh, do I have them in the right order, or are you flipping either of these two? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on being bullish on the bear downs under Jed Fish. Um, I I like the direction of the program under Fish. I think they are moving in the right right direction, and I worry that Washington State is going to be a little bit stagnant. They, um, I think, I think both can still make a bowl personally. Oh, I think they can both definitely make a bowl, but I don't see them competing with the upper echelon of the conference. If I was to guess, I think probably Arizona has a better chance at playing spoiler, um, against some of the top teams, unless you know it's a weird night game on the Palouse, and in that case, anything can happen. But I agree with you that Arizona should probably be ranked just a little bit ahead of Washington State. 
All right, now we get to nine, which I have as Cal, and there's an old joke that I did not create. I've just liked to tell it, uh, and that old joke can apply to Cal. What's the good thing about Cal? They have 10 starters back. What's the bad thing about Cal? They have 10 starters back. Um, about the only starter that really worth highlighting is your incredible linebacker, Jackson Sermon. When was the so, last time they didn't have like an all-world <laughs> linebacker? Is my I don't know, but um, but yeah, don't don't be surprised if he's an All-American this year, even if Cal doesn't have a great season. Um, they do have some interesting skill position talent. Uh, they have running back uh, Jaden Ott back, who had a stellar yeah. season last year. Yeah, he was a true freshman last year and oh. had like a 250 yard, 260 yard game at oh. one point. Like he showed some real flashes. He's a kid I'm oh. I'm really high on. Yep. Um, they are, though, kind of starting a little bit from scratch offensively. They have a new offensive coordinator, and uh, their opening day starter should be transfer quarterback Sam Jackson, the fifth over from TCU. And then uh, grouping, grouping two teams together because they're basically identical. So uh, 10th and 11th, flip a coin, Arizona State and Colorado. They are literally the exact same story for both teams. They have brand new coaches. Deion Sanders, obviously, at Colorado, and Matt mentioned him earlier about about uh, his worries with Oregon. That's 33-year-old Kenny Dillingham down there, uh, the splash hire for old Sparky. Uh, both programs hit the, the portal pretty hard. Arizona State has 30 incoming transfers, and uh, Colorado um, at one point had 71 players on their roster put their name in the portal. Obviously, some took them back out, but... Uh, that was just an insane stat I saw. So uh, obviously both teams are are really trying to rebuild on the fly. We haven't seen any program hit the portal for that purpose before. Um, so Matt, how does this play out in your opinion? Is this type of rebuild going to be just a complete flash in the pan? No team will ever do this again. Or will Arizona State or Colorado be a Pac-12 contender in a few years, or in Colorado's case, a, a Big 12 contender in a few years. Arizona State has a much better chance of being a contender in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 than Colorado does. <laughs> um, and here's why. I am beyond skeptical about the coach prime hullabaloo. Let me bring that term back again. Because <laughs> I... What what do we know wins in college football, Josh? It's culture. Coach has been preaching at culture at us since day one of this podcast. We all we hear all the successful programs talk about culture, culture, he, culture, culture. I think culture, he preaches culture. chunk plays, actually. He also preaches chunk plays um, and good impressions. But culture wins. What is the culture that Deion Sanders is bringing in? I, it's it's one about boastfulness brashness and not actually caring about having a culture of the program. And I, it's, it's not even free agency bringing it around to Colorado. There's, there is, it's to me, it's going to be not just much ado about nothing. I think there's a good chance Colorado starts one and five. I think there's a really good chance that Colorado starts one, one and five. And then what happens? And then, and then what happens when they get smacked in the mouth and are – because here's the thing about Coach Prime, elite salesman, like one of the best salesmen we've seen. The talent advantage that he had at Jackson State versus the rest of the SWAC was so monumental that it didn't even matter how good of a coach, how good of an X's and O's coach he was. So he's basically what? Nick Saban. <laughs> but he's Nick Saban without having any of the bona fides uh, to, to he, he's, he's without any of the bona fides of, of having like tr- properly like developed players. Right. And yeah. so like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's bringing in a bunch of transfers, but have we ever seen, ever seen a team? bringing this many new faces? No. Have we ever seen a team bring in half as many new faces? No. And so like I, and he, the, the smartest thing he did was he's brought in some good coordinators. He's got some good, good coordinators 
right? He, he's got my guy, Sean Lewis, who was the head coach at Kent State. Go, go Flashes. Um, and who, as his offensive coordinator, and, and Sean's an elite mind. Sean is there for one year. So even if things go well this year, he's going to be on. So many of these guys are going to be gone. And the NIL money and all these other tools that are all these other stuff that's coming into the program that's gassing them up right now. Well, what happens when they go one and five? That money's going to start drying up real quick. And I just, I don't, I see this having a much, much, much bigger chance of falling completely flat than I do seeing success from this team. I would be shocked if they made a bowl game. Shocked. I would be too. Uh, let's let's finish up the Pac-12 pecking order. I got Stanford, obviously, uh, 12. Uh, Stanford is a private university in Palo Alto, California that used to be pretty good at football. And uh, honestly, until Northwestern was forced to throw a brick of dynamite onto their program, uh, thanks to Pat Fitzgerald being uh, a little... little uh, hazing happy there i guess uh i thought that this was the biggest rebuild in a power conference um even bigger than colorado's because um obviously colorado do a complete rebuild in a different way but stanford they have a brand new coach troy taylor as well but they have just six starters back which is like a baffling low number here's the question josh in three years from now do you think Stanford or Colorado will be in a better situation? Well, one will be in the Big 12 and the other might be in the Mountain West. I don't know. Okay. Well, still, <laughs> which team would you think will be in a better situation three years from now as a program? Uh, probably Stanford. Yeah, I think it's definitely yeah. Stanford. I think Troy Taylor is everything that Deion Sanders is not. Troy Taylor is a coaching lifer. Troy Taylor took um, uh, took Cal Poly to huge places. Um, he's Troy, Troy Taylor is a freaking coach. Troy Taylor is already recruiting incredibly well. Troy Stanford is one of the top twenty twenty four recruiting classes already. Like they're getting dudes all over the place. I'm way more bullish on the future of Stanford than I am the future of Colorado. All right, let's so uh, let's do some quick accolades. I got USC over Oregon State. Matt, sounds like you have uh, was Washington. I almost I have, said Wazoo. <laughs> I have I have Washington over USC. All right, my offensive MVP. I got Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr. Okay, it was kind of a flip a coin there. My defensive MVP. Uh, I got Braylon Trice. Mentioned him earlier at Washington. Um, I I've got Laitu Latu from UCLA. Love it. Uh, my coach of the year. If I'm picking Oregon State to finish second, you know I'm going with Jonathan Smith. And I'm obviously going with Kalen DeBoer. All right, newcomer. I hate the recruiting stuff I've mentioned before. I don't really care. Uh, when a freshman has a great season, that's fun. But I don't follow the the charts the way you and Coach do. So I, I've got a newcomer. And this can be a freshman or it can be a transfer. It's sort of open-ended, however you want to interpret it. I got Big Cinco. I got DJ they're at Oregon State. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I've got Bear Alexander at USC. Nice. And first fired, um, you know, I think Cal and Arizona are probably going to be too good for Fisher or Wilcox to get canned. So my question for you, Matt, is UCLA has a pretty tough schedule. Let's say something crazy happens and the Bruins miss a bowl game. Do you think they clean house before jumping leagues? No, they can't afford to. They, Fair they, they, enough. They, like fiscally, they cannot afford to. All right, final thought, final question for the Pac-12. I said we'd circle back to USC. I have USC, you have Washington, the big picture. Does the Pac-12 have a team in the playoffs this year? No. Ooh. All right, well, we're going to take a little break. Matt, do you have a, an ad read for us? I did, our, our, I did our ad read at top. I mean, I can... You know, uh, we don't have a second ad break? Uh, no, no second really? ad break today, Josh. Uh, we're, we're just going right. to keep... I mean, I can... I can just uh, advertise, just keep listening to this podcast and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and keep it up. So let's uh, l- right. let's get on to the uh, the junior Pac-12. Hey, that's pretty rude because the Mountain West is amazing. I love the Mountain it West. Is, the Mountain West is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, just like we did for the previous conference, I'll give you guys a quick recap in case you don't remember the season. So uh, 2022 was uh, really the Boise State and Fresno State 
show. Boise went nine and three overall, but unblemished in conference. Fresno dealt with an unfortunate Jake Hayner injury early on in the season. Uh, so they only went eight and four overall, but they were a solid seven and one in the league. Once in the title game, Fresno, uh, well, they avenged an earlier loss. So uh, they they got they got the ultimate revenge there on the Broncos. Um, both of them then would go on to win their bowl game. So despite a few bumps, the two top clubs co- finished a combined 20 and eight. Um, now, makes it sound like this was a pretty top heavy league, but it was actually pretty deep. Uh, Air Force, they won 10 games, including their bowl. Wyoming, Utah State and San Diego State all went bowling. And San Jose State got back to a bowl for the second time in three seasons, which for them is job well done. So my five questions for this league are number one. A lot of hype with Boise State. Are they back to their BCS busting days or are they just a conference power? They're a conference power. All right. Definitive. Not even not even a flinch. Uh, Question two. How does Fresno State look in their post-Jake Hayner world? Third question. That. Third question. Team that I love. I, I picked them to win the conference last year, Air Force. They've got a stellar defense. Is that enough to make them a title contender despite some new faces on offense? Number four, San Jose State. Can they replicate what Fresno did in 2022, which is basically ride the best quarterback in the league? Because San Jose State, believe it or not, has, for my money, the best quarterback in the league. And then finally, well, I should say passing quarterback, because Boise, he's a little bit more of a dual threat guy. Had to clarify that. And fifth and final one, Utah State has been a really goofy team. They won 11 games two years ago, fell down to six games, six wins just last year. So which Utah State team is going to emerge? All right. Well, I I have thoughts on a couple of those, but let's hop into the Mountain Division, Josh, where I where I can uh, talk. Yeah. All right. I got Boise win the Mountain again. Uh, their offense should be stacked. Basically, everyone is back, minus a couple starters on the offensive line. Um, their biggest issue is they've got several key defensive starters that they need to replace. Um, I want to talk about their quarterback. I mentioned he's a dual threat guy. He uh, Taylor Green. He had. Over 2,000 passing yards last year, nearly 600 rushing yards. And he accounted for 24 touchdowns last season. But I don't think he's as well known as the Boise State quarterback that we all think of on the cover of a video game, Jared Zabransky. Matt, what will it take for Taylor Green to be as remembered as the beloved Jared Zabransky? Win a New Year's Six Bowl. Ooh. I mean, that, that that's what he has to do. I think th- what they have going for them is the fact that they have as good a three-headed monster running the ball. You talk about Jalen Green, George Halani, Ashton Genty, two really good backs. They, they are the favorite in this conference for a reason. I think that they're really well-balanced. Defense is really solid. A um, little bit worried about the back end of the defense, but I think up front they're solid. You know, I just I think they're going to be able to they're going to be able to ground and pound teams when they want to, which will be really really nice for them. They should be the favorite. Um, that doesn't mean that I will necessarily be picking them to win it all. I think they're going to win the Mountain Division. I'll say that. All right. But. I, but yeah, I, I think this team is going to be really, really good. I just don't think that they are at the level of some of those, uh, Josh, you mentioned the, you know, the, the power five upsetters, the, the BCS bowl upsetters. I don't think they're at that level again. All right. My second team in the division is air force. And honestly, if they were in the West division, they would probably be at the title game. Um, their defense, the air force defense was st- Stupid good last year. They gave up just 13.4 points per game, and they held their opponents to just 27.4% third down conversion rate. They have eight starters back from that defense. They're really good. Um, They're really good. Yeah. Their big issue is their incredible quarterback, Hazik Daniels. 
No longer running that triple option. So breaking in a new quarterback, never easy for any type of offense, but especially one with so much timing and so many reads for that triple option. Uh, the good thing is, though, for that offense, four offensive line starters back. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like the Falcons just like you do like that defense. But like you said, no Zeke Daniels really worries me. That's why, uh, you know, I, that's why I think it's going to keep them away from, you know, winning the division. All right. I got third place Wyoming and, and Wyoming's been a weird team. They have not had a breakthrough season to win the division under Craig Bull yet they are really consistent. Uh, They have won at least six games every year since 2016, other than the shortened COVID year. Um, If there's ever a time for Wyoming to break through, this might be the year. They have 15 starters back, including 10 on a defense that was also already pretty stingy, not quite Air Force level, but a pretty dang good last year. Um, the, the thing for the Cowboys is they've got to get that passing game going. Their returning starting quarterback, Andrew Peasley, uh, he put up almost 1,600 yards That's and, not very, ten, and 10 touchdowns, Matt. It's not very good. And nine interceptions. Also not very good. I, I've got some comps to put those numbers into perspective. That 1,600 yards, 1,600 passing yards, that is fewer yards than Iowa's Spencer Petrus. Those 10 touchdowns are fewer touchdowns than Indiana's Connor Basilek. And those nine interceptions were more than Washington's Michael Penix Jr. Who I believe had the most attempts in all of college football last year, a second to Austin Reed. Penix attempted 300 more passes (laughs) than than Andrew Peasley. So um, that passing game has got to get going. Josh Allen walking through that door. Matt, you loved Wyoming last I year. Did. You actually picked them. I picked them to not. I picked yeah. them to win the conference last year. Yeah. How do you how do you see things playing out? I think that their defense uh, will be on par with Air Force. But God, like it, I, Craig Bull, great coach, great coach, love Craig Bull. But they need to find a running attack to you know, to, to do something about the passing attack because I don't <laughs> see it getting any better. And so they need to have a more sustainable run game if they are going to break through. Like, they can. Like, I genuinely believe that they can. But in the same division as Boise, and it's, you know, I don't want to say it's Spider-Man meme with with <laughs> Air Force, but, like, crazy good defense, crazy bad, not crazy bad offense, but, like, you know, I mean, triple option is one thing, but I just, I... I wonder sometimes if they if a program like a Wyoming either needs to go like full full spread air raid or full triple option in order to really be successful, because I don't know if what they are running can get them to be at the level of a Boise State. So you're you're advocating Wyoming goes uh, back to the Joe Tiller days. Pretty much, actually. There we go. I mean, I'm nothing against that. I mean, just throw it around. I mean, if you're, if you're going to throw it that poorly, at least throw it a lot and make it fun. <laughs> All right. Well, kind of stuck in the middle. I got Utah State. And as mentioned in my questions, this team won the freaking league two years ago and then flat out stunk last year. I saw them play my Hawkeyes. And uh, let's just say Iowa had no sweat in that game. Um, Utah State scored 22 points per game last year. And That's not great. They, they gave up 31 per. That's worse. Uh, the defense was raided by the portal. Their offensive coordinator, despite those numbers, left for Indiana. Indiana. I can't wait to talk to get to our Big Ten preview. <laughs> Indiana is such a dumpster fire. And it would be the worst in the Big Ten if it wasn't for Northwestern. Yeah. And then, uh, well, they chose not to replace him because head coach Blake Anderson is now calling the plays. So... Um, it, it honestly speaks to just how bad five and six are that that the Aggies came in fourth. Um, if you're looking for a silver lining, quarterback Cooper Lagasse and running back Robert Briggs are back. And so they have a nice backfield, but that's that's really about the only silver lining I have. 
Shout out to my guy, Al Ashford, the transfer corner from Wisconsin, who should be starting for them this fall. Um, he's a guy who I think didn't quite get a fair shake at Wisconsin and could be an all Mountain West Conference player in his first year. So that yeah. that that is why I will be watching those games in Logan, because, uh, you know, Al's my guy. I, I, just, I love that kid. And so uh, w- wishing the best things for him. But I am definitely worried about that team, but not as much as I'm worried about the two teams you're about to talk about. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into Colorado State. I got them fifth, and uh, there's no putting putting any uh, lipstick on this pig, Matt. Their offense was god-awful last year. That's being generous. They mustered 13.2 points per game. And what's really weird is they actually have some really talented players highlighted by their wide receiver, Tory They've Horton. always got receivers. They've <laughs> always got receivers. Um, Tory Horton, he had 1,100 yards last year. Um, but the problem was the offensive line gave up nearly 60 sacks. That's a lot. And the running game averaged under three yards per carry. Five sacks a game, less than three <laughs> yards per carry is, I mean, that that is just levels of ineptitude that would make yeah. the 1970s Northwestern Wildcats blush. <laughs> And like, I mean, Horton's awesome, but I just maybe I'm spoiled by Brian Ferentz, but I just don't I don't conceptually understand how you build an offense around one good wide receiver. I so mean, um, it's basically what the Vikings do with Justin Jefferson. I don't know. There we go. Um, the defense was actually surprisingly good last year. So I, I know some Rams fans are probably thinking they flip spots with Utah State, but um but yeah, that, that, that's them. So, Matt, I want to want to ask you a question. You you played a little bit of line back in the day over, yes. up in uh, up in New Hampshire, yes, sir. And uh, well, you watch the Badgers all the time, so so you you kind of break down offensive line. Play. I love offensive line play. Um, what goes wrong <laughs> when you have an offensive line that's a sieve? like Colorado State was last year. No communication. Just complete lack of communication between the five players on the offensive line. They're not on the same page. Either they're missing calls, they're missing checks at the line of scrimmage. And even if you are, even if you don't have the athletes, the strength, the guys with all the size, if you communicate as a line, you can at least be a little bit above mediocre, right? If you can at least get all of your bodies in the right place moving in the right direction like even if you're not all joe thomas even if you're not all i don't don't know choose your iowa offensive lineman robert gallery robert gallery sure (laughs) why 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 not um you know marshall yanda like you you know even if that's hometown marshall yanda i know um but (laughs) you can at least put your body in the way when you are not communicating as a line that is when things really happen because two guys go to block the same person and leave someone else completely untouched and that's what's been happening at colorado state it's just complete lack of communication along the offensive line and if i was the offensive line coach there literally all i would be doing is working on their communication making sure that they are all on the same page on every single snap because there are way too many times last year that they clearly were not obviously not and uh rounding things out dead last for the uh the mountain division we got new mexico and amazingly the lobos somehow had a worse offensive statistically than colorado state um they return on their defense not one not two that's it actually just two starters <laughs> Um, I mean, this team, like, I don't even know where, where you begin. We'll probably talk a little bit more about them when we get to the first fired section. Mm, so, yeah, so. I, I literally have nothing to add in the Lobos <laughs> because that, that, that program is dumpster fireific. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump over to the West, uh, winning the West. I got Fresno state and yeah. What, you know, who's gone from last year's team? Obviously we know Jake Hayner. Uh, who else is out? Uh, their amazing wide receiver, Jalen Moreno, uh, cropper, um, but, the you gotta, yeah, but you got to look at actually who's back. I, I know it's easy in these previews to talk about who's gone, but but who's back? They got seven starters on a defense that gave up just 19.4 points per game. You have a wizard of a coach in Jeff Tedford, and they have one of the key transfers really in 
all of the group of five, maybe, I think. Definitely yeah, in the, within the conference. Yeah, this is a big transfer. They have UCF quarterback Mikey Keene. And uh, for those of you who were not up on UCF season last year, let's just say it was a classic Gus bus season where uh, he didn't know who he wanted his quarterback to be. It was so, Keen. Was it John Reese Plumley? Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, he pulled us. He spurred that situation yeah. with the best of them. Yeah. So so Keen kept rotating in and out. And all told, he appeared in just four games last year with one start. But in those four games, he put up 647 yards. He connected on 60 out of 83 passes. He had six touchdowns and just one interception. So if you assume that, okay, he keeps those slashes up for a full season, multiply it out, that's over 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, and just four interceptions. So theoretically, this is one of the biggest quarterback transfers. And he's going right into a great position with with Tedford. So, uh, Matt... I got them winning this division. I think you have them winning the conference again. So I, I have a feeling you're agreeing with me on this uh, you're Mikey actually, Keen you, situation. You're wrong. I don't have them oh. winning the division. Whoa. San Jose State? You know it. Oh, let's get to San Jose State then. Let's All right. There. Sorry, I Fresno. Have, I am <laughs> I am so far into the Spartan bandwagon this year. Yeah. Gosh, it is not funny. This, this so, so now, unfortunately for Spartan fans, you saw what happened when I went all in on <laughs> Wyoming last year. Yeah. So sorry, but I, I just like, I have like, if Jeff Cordero, Cordero is pouring the Kool-Aid, I am <laughs> drinking all of it. Like I have two hands on the glass and I'm just coming it down my throat. Jeff Garcia just angrily turned off the podcast. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Jeff. All right. Well, I got San Jose State finishing second. Um, I, I think them and actually the Aztecs are kind of a coin flip, but I went with the Spartans since... You mentioned him, their quarterback. I like their quarterback better. Uh, Chevin Cordero, he had over 3,200 yards last year, 23 touchdowns. His primary target is gone, but options two and three from last season should easily slide up to one and two. Uh, his line is one of the most experienced in the league. They also have six starters back on defense. Um, if I had one worry about the team, it would actually be their schedule. Their crossover games are Air Force and a trip up to Boise. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And then in the non-conference, they actually have USC and Oregon State. Um, but yeah, it's uh like I said, best passing quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. And th- that's what Fresno used last year with Hayner. I think he's the best quarterback with full stop. I, I don't say best best corner, it's just best quarterback in the league is Chavin Cordero. I think he is, we'll get there, but he's my offensive MVP for the conference. He's my overall MVP for the conference and they are going to ride his back to a West division title. All right. The last of the contenders is San Diego state. Yep. And the, the Aztecs were really up and down offensively. Um, They're banking on their quarterback, Jalen Maiden. He played much better week seven through 12 and he did one through six. So they're, they're hoping to build on that um, defensively, as you'd expect with a Brady Hoke team. They were tough as nails. They gave up just 20.5 points per game. I've thrown a lot of defensive n- numbers at you. So where does that stack up? That's 19th best nationally. Um, now, they only have two starters back on that defense. But like I said, they got Brady Hoke there. They got that institutional knowledge. So that, that unit should be relevant. Um, like the Spartans pretty nasty schedule they have the exact same crossover games boise and air force but they also have a trip to the bay area to take on san jose so matt i already know where you're standing you've got san jose state win the division so the can san diego state get higher than third for you um can they Yes. Will they? Will they? I no. Say. No. Okay. I've got the I've got them finishing third just because I I love San Jose State this year. And so I, I you know, I, I think that yes, I mean the house money on Fresno. I think Fresno, Jeff Jeff Tedford, obviously amazing coach. And so I think that they've got Fresno has the coach, probably has the quarterback over San Diego, over San Diego State, which is why I would put which so I don't see them them jumping them there. So Coaching quarterback, I think, out of those three contenders, if you add those two elements up, I think they're a clear third out of three. That's fair. All right. Four through six, you can basically all clump them together. They have the exact same issue. 
Now I have them stacked up UNLV, Hawaii, Nevada, but like I said, mix and match any of them because they have the same problem. And that is their defenses last year were all horrific. So um, UNLV, no surprise there. They basically had a bad defense for about a decade now, Uh, but they do bring in Barry Odom, new head coach, background in defense. Maybe that, that helps them. We'll see. Um, Hawaii, they were dead last in the league defensively last year. They gave up almost 35 points per game. And, um, you know, Nevada, no slouch. They, they gave it a good go. They gave up 31 points a game last year. Um, Nevada does have six starters back, so maybe that helps them in some way. I don't know. Uh, I mentioned UNLV as a new coach. Hawaii and Nevada, not that far behind. Their coaches are entering their second years at the program. Uh, so all three are basically in the exact same spot. Um, rebuilding, new coaches. Odom's had head coaching experience from Missouri, but this is obviously his first year. Hawaii's changing their offenses to a more run and shoot like they had when head coach Jimmy Chang was their quarterback. And then Nevada just, <laughs> whew, they lost 10 straight games last year. So they're, they're, they're basically at rock bottom. So that's why I've got UNLV, Hawaii, Nevada in that pecking order. Uh, Matt, which of this trio of uncertainty do you like to, to, you know, break through a little bit, get to maybe four or five wins? I trust one of these coaches, and that coach is Barry Odom. So, yeah, I mean, it would have to be UNLV, even though, I mean, I, I think Hawaii might have the most talent on the roster, but I think UNLV has the best coach. And Hawaii's travel is always going to be a strike against them. Like, I don't care how many home games they get. Like flying back and forth to the mainland that often is not easy. It's not easy on the body. Like I just went, like even like I just went out to LA for a weekend for a quinceanera, and even that flying from Nashville to LA. Yes, I'm a 37 year old man <laughs> with a bad back, but still, even if you're a young person, it still sucks to have to fly in, get acclimated, play. Like, it's never going to be easy. So I like UNLV on the back of Barry Odom. I think Nevada, if New Mexico weren't in this conference, Nevada would be the worst <laughs> team. But New Mexico exists. Ergo, they're the second worst team. Like, I think Colorado, I think, like, Jay Norvell uh, upgraded by leaving Nevada for Colorado State a little over a year ago. And I'm not going to lie, man. Like, it is. It, it's tough times there in Reno tough times it is uh at least they have some beautiful scenery and some casinos to uh to go to um let's fly through those accolades i got boise state over fresno state you got san jose winning the whole shebang uh no i've got boise state went over uh over over uh san jose san jose okay fair enough as much as i love san jose state (laughs) boise boise state has has the talent i really like andy avalos as a coach and i i think that they're they're too well balanced offensively and have are just too solid defensively f- to not be the favorite. Well, we're still going to give San Jose State a little bit of love because we're unanimous with our offensive MVP, right? For sure, Cordero. Cordero. No, absolutely. No. Yeah. All right, my defensive MVP. Um, I decided to be really lazy and I just put somebody from Air Force. I'll take Easton Gibbs, the <laughs> linebacker out of Wyoming. Uh, I, I think Gibbs could end up with like 140 or 150 tackles this year. That's a few. Um, I, I, I think he's an absolute stud. So give me Easton Gibbs. All right. Well, I have Air Force winning probably eight, nine, ten games again. And with a brand new quarterback, I think that's going to get a lot of love for Troy Calhoun to be the coach of the year. Um, Brent Brennan for me, if, if they're able to win the, the division, I think it's Brent Brennan. All right, my newcomer, obviously, if I have them in the title game, I'm going to have Mikey Keene. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. All right, my first fired, it's got to be Danny Gonzalez, um, the New Mexico coach. (sighs) So he is entering his fourth season, and the Lobos are 7-24, and 3-20 under him. That's not good, Josh. That's not good. And, And he's a former player, so I know why they've given him the long leash. But I ran through their schedule, Matt, and we don't have time to do the Mad Dog thing for this show. We'll we'll save that for other shows. But I ran through it, and I see really just two guaranteed wins. So let's say they go two. I'm surprised you found two. Well, I think there's some FCS in there. Um, so, I think they play UMass too. That, yeah, I, I, I'm just too. that they play UMass. Yeah. Oh no, UMass play, plays New Mexico State. I don't know if they play. Uh, who knows? Either way. But anyway, let, let's say they go two and ten. 
even former player native son, two and ten would bring him to nine and thirty-four. Good grief. Three and twenty-eight in Not good. conference. And it's really bad. So I, I think I really think. Danny Gonzalez probably not surviving. Do you have anyone else on the chopping block for this conference? If Utah State falls off, Blake Anderson. Ooh, yeah. I know he hasn't been there for like super long, but that's a program we've seen be very successful recently. And I think the I I think they expect more in Logan. Quite frankly, I, I I really genuinely believe that they think that they are an upper echelon Mountain West program. And I mean, they 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 see their in state rivals doing yeah. it so yeah. yeah i mean you they, they see every year utah killing it they see byu being very good almost every single year and you know yeah they're the little brother to them but i don't they don't view themselves like the little brother and hell even weber state is good at the fcs level i mean if you're talking about winning in the state of utah they're number four right now and so mm-hmm. it, it would not surprise me Let, let's say Things completely nosedive this year, right? Not able to get a real offense going. You know, the head coach taking over play calling just doesn't work. Yeah, I I think Blake Anderson would probably be my second choice there. Okay. All right, final thoughts. This was my question for the league, and I think I know your answer, but I just want to think it through a little bit more. So Boise State opens with Washington. Probably going to lose. But the rest of their way, very real chance they're favored in all those games. So let's say they go. Hold on, Josh. You said we weren't going to. We're doing it right now. Dog. Week two, <laughs> home for UCF. And Gus Bus taking taking the taking Boise. That's going to be close. Uh, week three, home for North Dakota. Yeah, Boise at San Diego State. It's the it's the Coyotes, at, not not the Bison. The Coyotes. Yeah. Uh, at San Diego State. Uh, just not enough offense. I don't trust San Diego State. At Memphis. I have no idea what Memphis is going to look like this year. I mean, they're, I mean a power, they're a Power Five program now, Josh. Memphis? Aren't they? Aren't they? No. Aren't they in the Big 12? Oh, no, they're not in the Big 12 now. Never <laughs> they were mind. left out of the Big 12. They were left out of the Big 12. That's right. They're, they're, they're still an American conference program. You don't just stroll into the Liberty Bowl and expect to win. Uh, no, I, I've got Boise. Uh, home for home for my fighting Spartans, Javon Cordero and, and them boys. The, the Smurf turf, they're going to be favored. At Colorado State. <laughs> Colorado State can't score. Home for Wyoming. Wyoming can't score. At Fresno State. Mm, that's probably their toughest. Be a, I, that, I, that's a that's uh, going to uh, be under the lights in Fresno, November fourth. I know it's Tedford, but that that, that smells like a Pat Hill type game. Uh, home under for New Mexico. Lights. What's the spread on that one? Thirty-five. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, at Utah State, we've discussed Utah State at yeah. Nazium, and then they finished their season at home for Air Force. I yeah. could see them not being favorites against UCF who is a power five program now. Um, And maybe depending on how things go, that Fresno state game. Yeah. Well, anyway, so here's, here's the the crux of it. So let's say they go 12 and one. Yeah. Win the conference. Their one loss is week one, Washington. They've had all this time to build this momentum. Especially if it's, if it's my Washington team that ends up, uh, you know, winning the pack 12. The question I had was, are they back to being a BCS buster? Would that 12 and one, 12 straight wins, conference title. Would that get them back into the big bowl as the highest ranked group of five team? I mean, their, their competition, you're looking at Tulane. I mean, yeah, mo- say- most of the, the usual usual suspects have been poached, you know, like UCF. UCF, yeah, I mean. <laughs> um, Cincinnati. I, th- I think. Off to the Big 12, so. I think yeah. Tulane is the big one for me because Michael Pratt isn't just the best group of five quarterback. He's just one of the best quarterbacks in the com- country full yeah. stop. And so I think that I still think I'd place Tulane ahead of them in terms of BCS buster group of five teams. Uh, besides that though, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot else that I think you can really take. A, I, I don't know if there's another 
team that, yeah, I, I think it's really them and Tulane are probably the two, the, the two big ones. Unless you know we see a program come out of nowhere. I mean, hey, I mean, you never know. I mean, San Antonio, maybe meet me. Yeah, that was one I was thinking of. Uh, you can never count out App State. Um, and that's really your boy Jim Mora, but Connecticut. Sorry, I don't see that one happening, guys. You know, I mean, good for them. You know, good good for them to uh to get back on the horse last year. But uh, your boy Dino Babers up there at Syracuse, they're, they're effectively a group of five team. <laughs> that was the joke. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us yeah. here uh, tonight on our first of our conference preview shows here for the 2023 season. Josh, can't believe we are starting our ninth season here on Illegal Motion. It's been a uh, quite the ride and uh, we got a lot more to come. We'll be back next time with what the Big 12? I Big believe? 12 and due to the conference realignment, the closest conference to pair them with is weirdly CUSA. CUSA. Yeah, cuz they've shifted rather far to the west with they some of their really teams. have. Yeah, bunch it, of Texas teams, New Mexico State. So fun times in Cusa. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for all of it. So okay, well, that is going to do it for us. And then. depending on how camp goes, Coach will be here for some of it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, shout out to Coach, by the way. Uh, coach is now uh, uh, coaching at one of the elite private schools here in Tennessee, Ensworth. Um, for if you any of you guys who know anything about uh, Middle Tennessee football. Uh, Ensworth is just is a power program and uh, coach is now uh, running uh, tight ends and fullbacks for them and is uh, the JV offensive coordinator. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, I, I'm really happy for him. It's a it, it's a great gig. It's a really great gig. I'm excited for him. Their team is up at Austin P right now uh, for team training camp. So, uh, you know, he's in the thick of it at the moment. But, you know, Shout out to you, coach, and uh, we'll be back next time uh, with, with the coach. So uh, so that's going to do it for us here today on the Illegal Motion College Football prod- Podcast brought to you by betonline.ag and mikefarrellsports.com. So uh, until next time, uh, on behalf of uh, our second amigo, or <laughs> our, our third amigo in the second city, I don't know, it's been a minute since I did this, Josh, third amigo in the second city, uh, Josh Too busy Cook. running naked drills at an Evanston. <laughs> hey yo we, we know we know what you do on the weekend uh, curve whoa there whoa 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 i am i might do some weird things i i, I cannot yeah, deny gotta go I to the car wash that's what you texted me the other day you said you gotta go to the car wash Josh. <laughs> i want nothing to do with anything that is happening at northwestern on their football program their baseball program women's softball program or anything volleyball all cheerleaders of all of it nothing absolutely nothing school acc of- commissioner <laughs> only on the only thing good coming out of there right now is a journalism school so um which is who rooted all this out so anyhow uh he's josh i'm perko we'll be back <laughs> next time on the illegal motion college football podcast thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.